uh, here at Bible Baptist, and I'm looking forward to being able to communicate God's Word with you today. And if you brought a copy of God's Word with you, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. So I don't know how you have God's Word, if you have it on a device or if you have a paper copy, but if you have a copy of it, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. My, uh, my favorite season is coming up here pretty soon, fall. Fall is coming up. How many of you guys are fall people? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I love fall. I love everything about fall. I love the leaves. The leaves are awesome. I love the weather. The weather's great because it's not too hot, and I am not afraid to say it. I like pumpkin spice flavored coffee drinks, and I don't care if you call me a white girl. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I don't care what you call me, okay? I enjoy them. They taste good, okay? So leave me alone, and I don't want any emails afterwards, okay? I like pumpkin spice lattes. I like pumpkin spice coffee. I like everything, but one of the biggest reasons I like fall is because my wife, Gabby, was born in October, and I'm looking forward to celebrating her birthday this year, mainly because of what happened last year. So um, uh, some of you guys have made the mistake before of forgetting your wife's birthday. And uh, as you're leaving today, I guarantee your wife is going to be very, very happy and praising God that I am not her husband because of the story that I'm about to tell you. So guys, you're welcome. Um, Last year, uh, we were in college, and Gabby was my fiance. We just, we got married in December. But last year, it came to her birthday time. October 5th came, right? October 5th? Okay, good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know it's October 5th. But October 5th came, and it was during a time that we were having a conference at the college that we were at. And the conference is uh, uh, it's called the Spiritual Leadership Conference. So a bunch of pastors came uh, from all over the country, and they learned how to be a better pastor, how to be able to shepherd their flock well. And one of my friends that had graduated the year before was coming to the college to be able uh, to learn, and, and we were going to be able to spend some time together. And I was looking forward to it. But it fell on her birthday. And so, as the good fiancé that I was, I walked to her dorm that morning. I brought her flowers. I brought her chocolates. You know, did all the things that, that fiancés do. And then I handed them to her, and I said, I love you so much. Can I go spend time with my friends today? For those of you that don't know, that's a bad idea. Okay, don't do that. But I asked her that, and she said, sure. Now, okay, I have to preface this, uh, because when I asked Gabby last night uh, if, if I could tell the story, she told me I had to tell this part. I could have spent time with him for two days after that, okay? Uh, but I wanted to spend time with him that day, and so I left, we went out to lunch, and I spent time with him, and I thought everything was good. Till I got back to college. And she wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I don't get it. You said everything was fine. You said it was good. And so when I, and obviously she was hurt. I had left her on her birthday. And so she had been hurt. And so I went to her afterwards and I said, hey, I'm sorry. And those of you that have been on the other side of hurt before, you know that there are some times where sorry just doesn't feel like enough. It just doesn't feel like, it feels like they should do something more. It doesn't feel like sorry is enough. And some of you, you may have walked in here today and you're carrying that kind of baggage with you. And for some of you, maybe it's not somebody that forgot your birthday or ditched you on your birthday, but maybe some of you walked in today and you have abuse or abandonment in your past. Like somebody somebody came into your life and you thought that they could tr- you could trust them and then they broke your heart, they hurt you, and, and sorry just doesn't feel like enough. And maybe they've come to you, maybe they've apologized, or maybe they haven't And even if they did, sorry just wouldn't feel like enough. feels like they should do more. And so as believers in Jesus, what do we do when sorry 
doesn't feel like enough. What do we do when someone hurts us so deep that we don't want to forgive? That, that we don't want to let it go? How do we respond? I want to tell you a little bit of what's going on in Luke chapter 17 before we get started. So, so Jesus, what he's doing is he's been teaching for, uh, for the past couple chapters. It really started in chapter 14. And he starts having dinner with the Pharisees. And so he begins, to, he, he begins to talk to them. He's teaching them what the kingdom of God looks like. And so he leaves that meal. And as he leaves, there's a group of people that follow after him. And, and, and Jesus begins to teach them. He teaches this huge multitude. And then in chapter 16, Jesus kind of gets away from the multitude and he begins to teach just his disciples. His disciples come to him and they begin to, he begins to teach them. And from chapter 16 to 17, that's what Jesus is doing. He's teaching his disciples. And at the beginning of chapter 17, Jesus basically starts off chapter 17 with kind of a downer. He, he says, look, trials, uh, people are going to offend you. That's what he starts off the chapter with. He says, people are going to offend you. Uh, offenses are going to come. Like, people are going to hurt you. And when people hurt you, Jesus says this. He says, it would be, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and for them to be cast into the sea than for them to have hurt one of these little ones, speaking of his disciples. That's pretty harsh, right? For a millstone, a big stone to be cast, or tied around their neck for them to be cast into the sea. So what Jesus is communicating to them there is that no wrongdoing on this earth is going to go unpunished. That, that when we do wrong, it is going to end in some form of judgment. Either if, if you've never accepted Jesus, then your punishment is going to be you're going to spend forever separated from God in hell, or... Your punishment was placed on Jesus on the cross, but no sin is going to go unjudged. That's what Jesus is communicating. But then Jesus kind of takes a turn. He says, this is what God's going to do. Like, no sin is going to go unjudged, but what should your response be? When people hurt you, what should your response be? And here's what he says, starting in verse number three. He said, take heed to yourselves. In other words, pay attention to yourselves. Don't look at them. Look at you. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So today we're going to look at three truths that we can look at when sorry doesn't feel like enough. And the first truth that I see in this story is that Jesus says that forgiveness should be the Christian's response to any wrongdoing. In this first verse, Jesus says, he gets into to what forgiveness should look like, like how Christians, how followers of him should deal with conflict. And he gives two steps. He says that if your brother trespasses against you, he says if he hurts you, if he sins against you in some way, then you are to rebuke him. Now, most of us deal with conflict in one of two ways. Either we run from the conflict, like somebody wrongs us and we run away from them and we talk to everyone other than them, right? That's how a lot of people deal with conflict. That's the first way. Or we snap back at them, right? Like if they make fun of us, if they call us a name, then we jump back at them. We jump down their throat. They're, they're just as bad as we are. And so we insult them. We come back at them. And so Jesus says both of those reactions are wrong. That when somebody wrongs us, we're to rebuke them. What that means is we are to go to them, we're to tell them what they did and how it hurt us. 
That's what we're to do when somebody wrongs us. But then he goes and he gives the second step and he says, and if they repent, forgive them. And we have a lot of misunderstanding and mis, uh, yeah, misunderstandings of what, what forgiveness means. Right? A lot of people will say, hey, you just need to forgive and forget. Like, like you, just need, you just need to forget about it. Like, act like it never happened. Just push it to the side. Push it to the back of your mind. Just forget about it. Forgive and forget. Right? That's not really what Jesus means when he says forgive. See, the word forgiveness, it means to cancel a debt. So in English, if you look it up, that's one of the definitions for it. And in the Greek, the word for forgive, it means to cancel a debt. That's what it means. Um, I need somebody to come up and tell me. Stephen, there you go, perfect. Come on up here, Stephen. So Stephen, uh, Stephen, you wronged me, okay, in some way. So what Stephen did, Stephen, I have not very much money, but I have twenty dollars, okay. Don't get excited. <laughs> you cannot keep it, but you can have it for now. Don't don't take, don't go walk away. I have security at the back door. So, so Stephen just stole twenty dollars from me. Okay, hypothetically, he stole $20 from me. So, so now Stephen, he owes me something. Because Stephen took something from me. What he has done is he has created a debt. He owes me $20, right? Because he stole $20 from me. Now I am $20 poorer than I was before because Stephen took $20 from me. Which means that in order to forgive him, it doesn't mean that I just forget about it. Because if I just forget about it, then I, I really didn't forgive. I just forgot, and now he's $20 richer than, and I'm $20 poorer, but I don't even remember it because I look in my wallet and I forget that I had $20 in there, and he's gone. Right? That's not forgiveness. That's just forgetting. Right? Some of you forget how much money you have in your wallet a lot. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But So Stephen stole $20 from me. So in order for me to forgive him, it's not that I have to forget. It's actually that I have to remember I, I have to acknowledge that, Stephen, you wronged me. You, you stole $20 from me. And so in order to forgive him, I have to say, Stephen, you hurt me. I am now $20 poor. You took something from me. But I'm not going to make you pay it back. I'm not going to seek after payment. But I actually am. Give me the $20. You can go sit down. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's forgiveness. It's not forgetting. It's actually remembering. Because some of us, we've been trying for, for years of our life to try to forget what happened to us. We've tried to forget the abuse, or we've tried to forget the abandonment, or we've tried to forget all of these different things that have happened to us. And what Jesus is saying here is not to forget what happened, but to acknowledge how they've hurt you, and then don't seek pain. That's what Jesus is saying. See, every time someone sins against you, they create a debt. Maybe it's an emotional debt. Maybe it was somebody that gossiped about you. Or maybe somebody left when you were young and you're harboring bitterness toward them and you want to make them feel how you felt. Like you want them to feel the hurt that you felt. You want them to feel all the emotions that, that you felt when they did that to you. And so you're seeking after pain. Some of you, it's your parents, and you won't even talk to them anymore because of what they did to you, and that's seeking after payment. You want them to feel how you felt. But what Jesus 
says here is that the mark of someone who is following him is someone who does not seek after payment. He forgives them. And, and he doesn't say that you forgive unless they do this, then you don't have to forgive them. Like, that was too far. No, he, he doesn't give stipulation. He just says, forgive. No matter what they want. And some of, some of you in here, you've been hurt in ways that I could never understand. Like, you've been abused in ways that I could never comprehend. And you're like, you don't understand what they did to me, and you're right. I don't. But Jesus does. And he still says to forgive. He says that the mark of someone who's following him is someone who forgives in every circumstance. And it is going to cost you. See, Jesus is the perfect example of it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.32, it says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So it doesn't say that even as God has forgiven you. It doesn't just say that. It says even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Because what Jesus did is he, he was God. He was living in heaven, in paradise, for all of eternity. And then he came down to this earth. He was born of a poor virgin girl. He, he was born into a manger, a stable, a feeding trough for animals. That's where he was born. He was born like a poor person, and he was a king. And then he lived 33 years, and he never sinned the way that we do. He never looked at a woman with a lustful thought. He, he, never, he never lied to his parents. He never gossiped about somebody else. Never did anything wrong. Completely morally perfect. Followed God's law to the T. And then when he was 33 years old, he was taken to a cross. Died one of the most brutal deaths in history. But that wasn't all. Because while he was on that cross, God took every sin that you and I have ever done and he placed it on Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. See, we could never work to get ourselves to heaven. We could never do enough to get a relationship with God, which is why we had to pay for our sin. There's one of two ways that our sins get, get, sins get paid for. It's either A, we go and spend eternity, that means forever, separated from God, burning in a place called hell. That's how we pay for our sins. And we can do nothing in hell other than pay for the wrong that we've done against God. That's one way. Forever. Separated from God. But the other way, is to trust what Jesus did. Because he's paid for it all. And it cost him his life. And the same is true when we forgive someone. When we forgive someone, it costs us. Like if I were to forgive Stephen of the $20 that he stole from me, it's going to cost me $20. I'm going to be $20 poorer. And the same is true for you. When you decide not to go after revenge, it is going to cost you that hurt. But that's what Jesus tells us to do. He says to forgive no matter what. But then he goes further in verse 4. Look what he says. Or verse number, yeah, verse 4. He says, but if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So, so the rabbinical law during this time the Jewish people believed that you were only allowed, you were only had to forgive someone three times. Like if somebody sins against you three times and you forgive them three times and then they sin against you again, then, then that's it. Like they're excommunicated. You're done. You're not putting their seat at Thanksgiving table anymore. Like that's out. They're not coming to Christmas. Unfollow on Instagram. Unfriend on Facebook. Like that's it. You're done. Three times. 
And then you have Peter in Matthew 18. And Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how often should I forgive somebody? And he says, till seven times. Like Peter thinks it's pretty good because he's doubled it. Then he's add one for good measure. So, so see, Peter feels pretty good about himself. Like, Jesus, should I, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus says, no. Until 70 times seven. In other words, you don't stop forgiving. Ever. And then I almost look at this passage as, as like Jesus is like taking a little bit of a shot at Peter. And he says, if someone sins against you seven times, and comes to you seven times and repents, then you're to forgive them. Now some of us feel like we've just found a loophole in what I just said. Because I said, if they come to us and repent, then we forgive them. And so some of us were like, man, they don't come and say they're sorry, I don't have to forgive them. Like, if they don't say they're sorry, I don't have to forgive, I can stay bitter all of my life, I can, I can seek after payment as long as they don't ask for forgiveness. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because in order to immediately say, I forgive you, as soon as someone repents, you have to have already forgiven. Like It's not that you decide in that moment that you're going to forgive them. It's that you're already not seeking after pain. You've already forgiven them. So that when they come to you, now you're ready to say, hey, it's okay, I forgive you. Not when they repent, it's before they repent. That's why Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty five, he says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. So, so Jesus says, hey, if you're praying to God and you remember that you're holding a grudge against somebody, then you're to forgive them. Not when they repent, but it's when you remember that you're holding a grudge. We're to forgive you. And it's funny because look at the disciples' response. That's the command. Jesus says, hey, forgive no matter what they do, and no matter how many times they do it. And look at what the disciples say. The disciples say in verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Which tells us that not only should Christians be ready to forgive under every circumstance, and no matter how often someone sins against you, but that forgiveness requires faith. It requires faith. See, the disciples recognize this. That's why when Jesus says, he gives them their command and he says, Lord, increase our faith. Like, we can't do this without you. We, 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 can't, we can't do this unless we trust you. We can't, we can't do it. And look at what Jesus said in verse number six. And the Lord said, if ye had faith, as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say to the cyclamen tree, be thou plucked up to, by the root and be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Jesus says, hey, if you had faith. Like these are men that, that have left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, if you had faith at all, if you had faith even as the grain of a mustard seed, mustard seeds are the smallest seeds that men would have worked with regularly during this time. We know now that there are smaller seeds but they're the smallest seed that men would have been familiar with during this time. And so Jesus, he says, if you had faith, even as the faith, uh, even if it was as small as the smallest seed that you would work with, like, like it's extremely small. If you even trusted me a little bit, then you'd be able to say to this tree, be thou plucked up and removed and cast into the sea. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is speaking necessarily literally there, but he's, he's using an extreme to make a point. 
And what he's saying is, if you even trusted me a little bit, if you even had a little bit of faith, then forgiving someone would be nothing. Like, if we believe that God is a sovereign God, that he is in control, that he is the Lord over all things, that there has not been one situation that he has not been overseeing, if we believe that God was a God of justice, that, that one day at the end of time, every wrong is going to be righted. He is going to correct everything. He's going to make this world a perfect world. We're, we're going to live with God in heaven, in paradise. If we believed these things about God, if we believed the things that we say we believe about God, and if we trusted Him, then being able to forgive becomes very easy doesn't mean it doesn't cost. doesn't mean there aren't days that it still hurts. Like I said, some of you, you've been hurt in extremely terrible ways that I could never comprehend. And I'm sorry. But Jesus says, trust me. Hey, trust me, I've got this. Like, I, I, I get what they did to you. I, I understand how they hurt you. I get the abandonment. I get the abuse. Jesus was the most abused man in the history of the world. If anybody understands your abuse, it's Him. And Jesus just pleads with us today and He says, trust me. I've got this. I've got it under control. That's why in Romans 12, 19, he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So it was their faith, their lack of faith, that kept them from forgiveness. And it is our lack of faith that keeps us bitter, that makes us see payment, that, helps, that, that makes us run after payment when we should be forgiving. A lack of forgiveness reveals a lack of faith. And so Jesus pleads with us today for us to trust Him. But not only does forgiveness require faith, but forgiveness is expected. Look at verse number 7. Jesus responds after this, and He tells them a parable. And this is what He says, starting in verse number 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit to me, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. So Jesus, he tells a story. He, and he says, how many of you, if you had a servant, if you had someone who was working for you, because remember during this time, servanthood and slavery it wasn't necessarily a race thing like we think of today, but it was a cultural difference. It, it was, it was uh, the, the poor people ended up working for the, the, the masters, right? And so how they would do this is the slaves would live on their property and they would be fed, and they would be clothed, and they, and they would receive payment for the work that they did for the master. And so Jesus, he uses this as an example. 
And he says, which of you having a servant, when the servant comes in from, from, from uh, plowing your field, are you going to say to your servant, hey, come in, sit down, I've prepared a nice meal for you, like I, I, I made you some soup and we have some meat here, like come sit down, I'm going to serve you. That's not how it worked during this time. That, that's not how the class system worked. Well, what would happen is the servant would come in and he would prepare the meal for the master. And then after the master has eaten and drank, drank, then the servant would have his opportunity to sit down and eat his meal. It's just how the class system works. And so Jesus poses a question. He, he says, is the master going to thank the servant because he did his job? Like this would be the equivalent of you going to work tomorrow. Uh, some of you, maybe it's 3M, maybe it's Novito, wherever you work. You go into work tomorrow, you sit at your cubicle, or maybe you're up all day, you work with your hands. I don't know what you do, but imagine you go into work tomorrow and, and you're sitting at your cubicle and, and you get up to, to leave. You've worked a full day, it's five o'clock, it's time to go home, and so you get up and you begin to leave and your supervisor comes up to you and he gives you like the biggest hug you've ever received in your life. And he's like crying. And you're like, okay, like what, <laughs> what did I do? And he's like, thank you so much. And you're like, er, what? And he says, thank, thank you for doing what we pay you to do. Like, what? <laughs> no way. Like, that has never happened, like, one time. If it has happened to you, uh, like, like, tell me where you work. No, I'm just kidding. But that doesn't happen, right? Like, people won't thank you for what they've paid you to do. Their payment is thank you enough, right? You're getting paid to do it. You don't get thanked for what you're paid to do. And then, like, as you get up to walk out, all, all your other employers, they stand up and they begin to give you, like, a standing ovation, right? Just, just because you did your job. Some of you are like, I'd love it. But it doesn't happen. You, you don't get merit. You don't get thanked for what is expected of you. So why does Jesus tell this parable right after talking about forgiveness? Well, the reason is, is because the disciples would have been tempted during this time because remember, the, the rabbinical tradition said that you only had to forgive someone three times. And so the disciples would have been tempted to say, man, like we, we're forgiving over and over again. We're way better than they are. Like God is lucky to have us. I, I mean, I can't believe it. And, and the point of this story was that the master didn't owe the servant anything for what he did. And so the, the disciples would have been tempted to be like, man, God is so lucky to have me. I've forgiven so many times. Like, this is great. And God, because I've forgiven, because, because I've forgiven that person and, and they wronged me and they owed me something, but I've forgiven it. I've let it go. And so God, now, now you owe me, right? God, you owe me now. And so you better pay me back. Like, I better get what's coming to me. You better judge them in some way. They better have some kind of misfortune happen to them because I've forgiven them. So God, you owe me. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get merit for something that's expected of you. Jesus says you don't get extra credit for forgiving people. That's just what we do. That, that's just what you do because you're a follower of me and you have been forgiven of a debt that you could never repay. Like, you are forgiven. And so what forgiven people do is forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Like, th this isn't extra credit. This isn't, like, the bottom of the page bonus points. No, forgiveness is, like, bare minimum. Th that is what a child of God does because he's been forgiven. Like, we don't owe, the, the, the God doesn't owe us anything for forgiving people. That's just what we do. That's what Jesus is trying to say in this parable. 
that, that forgiveness isn't bonus. Forgiven is, forgiveness is expected because we've been forgiven. Forgiveness is not something that God gives us the option of. But it's something that if we have a proper understanding of the gospel, we just do. If we get how much we've been forgiven of, it's almost like a reaction. Because we've been forgiven of so much. So the command is to forgive. No matter what someone does and no matter how often they do. And the way we do that is by trusting God. We have faith. We can't have faith in somebody that we don't spend time with. We don't trust people that we don't spend time with. We can't expect the same to happen to God. We have to spend time with Him. We have to get to know who He is. So the way we forgive is by trusting God. And remember, forgiveness is not extra credit. But it's a response of the proper understanding of the gospel. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to give you some time to respond. And so would everybody just go ahead and stand up with me? And I don't know what you need to forgive of today. I don't, I don't need, I don't know who needs forgiven in your life. But I guarantee some of us, we have some people that we need to forgive. We have some people that we need to stop seeking out their payment from what they did to. So as the piano plays, I'm going to give some time.